At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. You know, he's a significant piece. Um, he's done a good job of staying connected throughout the process, and so um, his train left the station today. I'd imagine it's not going to be much of a transition in terms of him. Yes, Deontay Johnson's train is leaving the station, and when Mike Tomlin said that, he meant it in a good way. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, but... The train that left the station here in Pittsburgh yesterday afternoon was the Milwaukee Brewers, and I'm glad it did because they derailed me in a big way. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. Calling all baseball fans. Next week, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook will be your home for same-game parlay bets and bets on all professional baseball games. Create your ideal same-game parlay of over three legs and receive up to three 50% profit boosts. That's right, get a 50% profit boost when you place your qualifying same-game parlay wagers. This week only, head over to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers Sportsbook app for more details. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That starts next week, and boy, have I had a rough baseball week, primarily because I bet on the Brewers all three days at PNC Park. Who are these pirates anyway? They enter the series as the last place team in the Central Division against the Central leading Brewers, and they did to the Brewers what they did to the Dodgers when they swept them previously. They split against the Yankees. The Pirates actually raised their level of competition against the good teams, and then the rest of the season they just proved to be one of the worst teams in baseball. Now 3-2 and two against Brandon Woodruff, of all people, with the Brewers. They're actually getting a decent amount of wins against the Brewers or... Usually their nemesis. How is this happening? The Central is so screwy. 
The Reds are almost in third place, just a half game behind the Pirates, and the Cardinals have crapped back into a first-place tie with the Brewers because they've won four in a row as the Brewers have lost four in a row. I got to think the Pirates' pixie dust stops here, though, right there in Baltimore for three games starting Friday night. And the Pirates are just bad on the road. I think they have the fewest road wins in all of the National League. They've won three in a row, just finished that sweep of the Brewers, but the Orioles just completed a sweep, too, taking three in a row from the Texas Rangers. After winning 7 of 10, the surprising O's are now 54 and 51. That's only good for fourth place in the stacked AL East, though. They're two games out of a wild card spot. Baltimore's been very good at Camden Yards as well, posting a 29 and 20 record so far. Last time I checked, they were the best team in baseball against the run line. Baltimore is minus 150 straight up, plus 128 against the run line, giving a run and a half. Mitch Keller against. Dean Kramer, and I like the Orioles, and I may even go run line myself. Speaking of the Cardinals, they have the Yankees tonight. Nestor Cortez against Dakota Hudson. Give the Yankees at minus 155. But a great job out of Jose Quintana in his debut last night. The second game of a doubleheader. He twirled six innings of one-hit ball. The only big mistake that Quintana made was allowing a solo homer to Patrick Wisdom of the Cubs. Aside from that, Quintana yielded just two walks while striking out seven. His ERA dropped to 3-3-9, and the Cardinals won the game 7-2. The Cubs now in last place. Chris Stratton, he went with Quintana to the Cardinals, and he closed out the game. No runs allowed in the ninth. I think he walked two guys, though. Got around it. St. Louis also won the first game 4-3. The two wins for the Cardinals, coupled with the Brewers' loss to the Pirates, elevated the Cards into a first-place tie atop the National League Central with Milwaukee at 57-48. and As for the Brewers, they have a chance to bounce back and get back on track with a win tonight against the Reds. They are minus 235 in this game. The Reds at plus 190. Eric Lauer, he's won 7 of 10 decisions this year, a 375 ERA against Eric Duggar. Uh, just 12 innings pitched so far this season. I like the Brewers. Maybe you parlay them with the Mariners at minus 200 against the Angels or the Rays at minus 200 against the Tigers. Okay, Steelers news. Training camp continues the night practice tonight at Latrobe Memorial Stadium. Deontay Johnson has signed. We gave you that nugget yesterday. It happened while we were recording our podcast yesterday, so we just sort of talked about it on the fly. But a day to think about it, hash out my opinions on it. My view hasn't changed all that much, I'll be honest, and I'll get to that in a second. I wanted to give you a few lines on Mitch Trubisky, the Steelers quarterback. One of them is Trubisky to lead the league in interceptions at plus 4,000. And when I saw that, I thought to myself, wow, you know what? That's an awfully big payout for a quarterback who may not be all that good this year. I mean, I've never been on board with a Trubisky signing. You know that. Davis Mills is tops at plus 800 to lead the league in interceptions. But then it struck me, and it should have right away, Trubisky isn't going to be allowed to throw the most interceptions in the league. Even if he stinks, and it looks like he might so far in training camp, He's going to be benched if he throws too many over the first six weeks. Trubisky will be benched for Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph if that happens. So I hate that bet. I actually like him more in the other direction to be comeback player of the year at plus 2,000. He wouldn't get my vote. But if you are a fan of the Trubisky signing and you like the concept of him and Matt Canada's offense, despite what we've seen so far in training camp, and you think it's going to work out, Trubisky at plus 2,000 to be comeback player of the year isn't a bad payout, 
because if it works out and works out well, he'll have Tommy Maddox kind of hype around him when Maddox was comeback player of the year in 2002. It would be very similar circumstances in a nationally seen market like Pittsburgh is for football, big national fan base. He'll have that kind of hype. It'll be a similar storyline. Guy who was given up on, comes to the Steelers, gets them back potentially to the playoffs if they win the division or get in as a wild card, 10-11 wins. Like, I could see Trubisky having that kind of storyline like Maddox did. I'm not on board with that scenario. I don't think Trubisky's all that good. I don't think it was a great signing. Uh, I never have. I think anybody who listens to the podcast knows that. But, you know, I I get it, and I get why that would make more sense than betting the other direction on those interceptions. Uh, I like J.K. Dobbins. At plus 2,000, he'd be my favorite to win the award. Maybe Chris Godwin at plus 3,300. But Deontay Johnson will certainly help Trubisky's cause. The Steelers' new contract with Johnson, it sums up that old adage from business negotiations, a fair deal for both sides probably means that neither side is completely happy with the contract that it is signed. And I don't think that always has to be true. Like Sidney Crosby, 12-year, $104 million deal with the Penguins prior to 2012-2013. Both sides were happy with it then. No reason to think any less of it now. And in the case of Johnson's contract with the Steelers, I do think that axiom is 100% true. Like, I think that's the polar opposite of what we just talked about with Crosby, where everybody was applauding it on both sides. This one, I think you can build an argument on either side that the Steelers or Johnson gave up too much to get it done. But before we get into why it was probably so hard for both sides to suck it up and get a deal done to end Johnson's hold-in, let's keep in mind that when all the dust settles, the Steelers know they're going to have a Pro Bowl caliber receiver under contract in the next three seasons, and Johnson just received a life-changing $27 million guaranteed. So neither side should feel like it really lost in this negotiation. If Johnson continues to play at the level that he has played in his first three seasons, the Steelers will have locked up a very good receiver, at least for the first three years of Kenny Pickett's time in Pittsburgh, and Johnson is about to be paid at 12 times the amount of money he'll be making in 2022 in a city where he claimed he wanted to stay. From those angles, it all makes sense. Yet I'm still a bit surprised that the Steelers and Johnson found an agreeable middle ground. From Johnson's standpoint, the extension for the 2023 and 2024 seasons will pay him a reported $36.7 million over two years. That's 18.355 in average annual value. Track slots him 17th among NFL wide receivers. The $27 million guaranteed at signing is 22nd. And if you ask me where Johnson ranks as an NFL wide receiver, Based on his on-field performance and skill set, somewhere between 17 and 22 seems like a perfect fit. So it appears to be fair market value for the contract. That's a win for the Steelers. It's not necessarily a win for Johnson, because if the wide receiver market has taught us anything over the past two years, payment isn't necessarily about being a fair reflection of your performance. Forget being paid what you are worth, As an NFL wide receiver, it's more about getting overpaid as much as possible when it's your turn. I mean, look at Christian Kirk or Kenny Galladay. 
$18 million a year. Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, all between 20 to $27 million at signing. Johnson gave up his chance to get into the 25 to $30 million per year range on the open market by signing this deal. If he put together a standout 2022, he would have gotten there. Somebody would have given him that money. That's what Johnson is sacrificing by signing the deal that he did yesterday. But now he's also avoiding the risk of having to hit the market if his stats are deflated by injury, inefficiency from the Steelers' revamped quarterback position, or if targets get distributed elsewhere, especially with George Pickens emerging as a rookie for the Steelers and the offense evolving in various directions with Ben Roethlisberger now gone. Not to mention, he may have never even gone to the open market. The Steelers may have franchise tagged him. That pays the average of the top five players in the league at the position in question for one year. And based on AAV at this moment for NFL wide receivers, that figure is $27.3 million or just $390,000 more than Johnson's guarantee. Plus the additional $9.7 million in the balance of the contract is all but assured. What are the odds of the Steelers cutting Johnson before 2024 starts? He'll still be only 28 as the last year of that extension triggers. What the Steelers are uncomfortably sacrificing on their end is cap space and cash on a position they usually don't pay big money. They've rarely felt the need to tie themselves to wide receivers seeking an expensive second contract. Only Heinz Ward and Antonio Brown have been awarded those types of deals in the Heinz Field, now Akershire Stadium, era. Although they did try to give big money to Mike Wallace, he just never found the middle ground that the Steelers did with Johnson. Again, Track projects Johnson at $18.3 million for a cap figure as the third highest hit on the 2023 roster for the Steelers behind only T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, slightly ahead of Minka Fitzpatrick. That salary would account for roughly 8% of what the franchise currently has committed towards the salary cap next year. Now, historically, the Steelers have never seen the value in giving a receiver that much money after their first deal expires because for as much as having a deep stable of good receivers is important, there seems to be a constant supply of them through the draft, free agency, and trades. But apparently in his first big move as the Steelers' new general manager, Omar Khan saw Johnson as being worthy of such an investment. And we do have to remember, this is Omar Khan's first big swing as GM. And it's breaking tradition, breaking from the norm of what the Steelers have normally done with wide receivers, at least under Kevin Colbert. But one thing we have to remember about the cap space that Johnson will consume, what are the Steelers going to do with it next offseason anyway? Sign a big-name free agent? That's not what they do. Are they going to sign a $15 million offensive tackle or cornerback on the open market? I doubt it. Steeler cap space is usually reserved for keeping their own. In this case, it's Johnson, whether he or Khan are completely comfortable with how the deal wound up on paper or not. By the way, if you like Deontay Johnson to lead the NFL in TDs this year, you could get him at plus 6,000. You also could have won the $1.2 billion Powerball if you played $100 in tickets, but you didn't, did you? That was probably smart. All right, uh, when we come back, Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. I do a weekly podcast with Jeff at Breakfast with Ben's about fantasy sports, 
We got into Deontay Johnson's contract. We get into fantasy football as well. You can think about this conversation from the framework of your high-stakes fantasy league, or you can think about it from the framework of individual bets that you're going to make on players, prop bets, and things of that sort going into the 2022 NFL season. I will have that for you coming up next. We're also going to get into some specific prop bets on a few skill position players that you'll want to pay attention to. That's on the way next here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21 gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. Back with you on the Bet Rivers Pittsburgh CityCast. Tim Benz along with you. Download the Bet Rivers app today or go to betrivers.com. Jeff Erickson of Rotowire. He joins me each and every week on the Breakfast with Ben's podcast to talk fantasy sports. And I thought I'd lift a clip from this week's podcast to pass along to you folks here on the Pittsburgh CityCast to listen to because Jeff gets into some pretty good analysis here of the top layer of fantasy football and some of the top skill position guys, where they rank, where he sees them and You could translate that into some specific prop bets on guys, over-unders, plus money potentially to win some postseason awards, things of that sort. I'll I'll get into that in just a second after we get to the interview with Jeff. But um, also we talk about Deontay Johnson quite a bit and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. So here's my conversation yesterday with Jeff Erickson of Rotowire. It's about $36 million uh, on top of the roughly $3 million he was going to make this year. And the Steelers usually don't go to that second contract with wide receivers, uh, especially after they went out and got a guy in George Pickens who looked like he could be a quality number one receiver down the line. Jeff, let's start with that. What yeah. do you think of the money that Deontay Johnson settled for? What do you think of the money that the Steelers were eventually willing to give him? You know, he got less than the other quote-unquote Holden wide receivers. You know, Debo and DK Metcalf got a lot more in terms of years, security, guaranteed money. But honestly, I think that's what – I think that tracks, right? I, I, I think <laughs> Debo's worth more. I think DK's worth more. They're bigger – they're different types of receivers too. Bigger guys, you know, take on more contact. Uh, I, I think that that's part of it there. But good for – I'm always happy when a, pair, a player gets paid. So good for him. It was only two more years, not four more years. So I think that's probably the extent of his Steelers tenure. We'll see what happens. You know, that they were willing to let Juju walk. I mean, maybe it made it more of a priority to keep uh, Deontay around for a couple more years while Pickens gets up to speed, while they sort out the quarterback position, Tim. Because, I mean, you know, for all the talk about the hold-in here, I mean, the big story for me from the Steelers camp has just been – just how badly Mitchell Trubisky has struggled and, you know, how Kenny Pickett's with the third team and all that and how, you know, Mason Rudolph has been your best quarterback, but I'll be it with one week's worth of training camp results. A lot of off ramps to go off of there. Here's one yeah. that comes to mind for me. I think that a lot of other teams across the NFL are looking at what the Steelers just did and said, whoa, I mean, we would have given Deontay Johnson more than that if he became a free agent. So I'm sure there's a lot of people looking at the Steelers and Omar Khan with his first big decision of GM and saying, hey, good job. 
But yeah, at the same time, the I think that the Steelers probably this that probably hurt them a little bit to sign that piece of paper because they don't want to give wide receivers that much money, especially when they've been so good at bringing them through the system out of the draft. Yeah, that's right. Um, they are. They're really good at identifying those players on the second day of the draft. And it's from all uh, from all I've heard, Pickens looks great. It's 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 hard to look great as a wide receiver, rookie wide receiver, when you've got quarterbacks that are not looking so great. So um, good on Pickens, good on the Steelers. I, I I think you're probably right. I mean, but then again, this offseason, the, the the theme has been wide receivers getting paid. You know, I, it started way back with Christian Kirk signing with the Jaguars and throw, you know. You know, people arguing he's throwing off the scale. Now, the scale would have gotten there. Uh, don't worry about that. But, you know, the teams that are deciding to pay the wide receivers and the teams that have decided that they're not trading those guys, whether it's Tyreek Hill going to Miami or uh, Devontae Adams going to the Raiders or A.J. Brown getting traded on draft day to the Eagles. I mean, that one to me was a little bit of a shocker, Tim. Uh, I, I, you know, I think A.J. Brown's a beast. I, I can't believe they decided not to pay him there. But uh, that that was – that's the – you know, the debate all along in almost every single team. Well, you and I have talked about Johnson through the lens of fantasy production before, and I think to an extent he had to look at himself in that context too because, well, one, like we just talked about, Pickens might demand a lot of targets by his skill in his first year. Two, as you've referenced a couple times already on this podcast, the quarterback play may not be as proficient as it was at least in terms of getting Deontay the ball, like Roethlisberger did. So his numbers might go down into free agency as opposed to what they were last year. And I'll give you another number that comes to mind, and that's about $27 million, which is the raw guaranteed money that Johnson is getting here. Yeah. And if you look at $27 million, that's roughly what the average of the top five wide receivers is this year for what the franchise tag would be. So he's right. get, he, he, they'll give him two years. I mean, he's going to get paid for two years beyond those guarantees. I'm sure I'd be stunned if they didn't. That's kind of like the Lev Bell school of thought. You know, he, he didn't trust that the Steelers would give him that third year. They would have, um, even if his production was poor like it was elsewhere. But I think they would have kept him around for the third year. So he's going to get a little bit more than what the franchise tag would have been, and he would have had to play on the franchise tag next year probably if the Steelers were willing to put it on him. Right. And, you know, sometimes it's uh, labyrinthian to wrap your head around all the uh, franchise tag implications. I mean, the Bengals are dealing with that right now with Jesse Bates. Uh, You know, the the Chiefs, they've – actually are having Orlando Brown play th- play on that tag. You know, every player that doesn't get the extension after getting the tag designation, it comes to a decision. Are you going to play under that tag? Are you going to sit out the year? Are you going to sit out part of the year? I mean, you've seen this song and dance before. And unfortunately, that's one of the things you have to learn in trying to breaking down football. Um, it's just, it's, it's tough to sort through. Jeff Erickson with us from Rotowire. What do you think of him in terms of a fantasy player this year, Jeff? Uh, Deontay Johnson to me is like, I just posted my rankings. I, I, in fact, your timing is excellent. As far as this goes, I've got him around 50 overall player number 54. I've got him with former teammate Juju, uh, and DK Metcalf and Amon Ross St. Brown. It's in that range right there. He's, he's probably like about wide receiver 20 or so for me. Yeah, that feels about right. And you know, where he came in cost wise and where he comes in ranking wise, 
uh, to me feels about right. When I say ranking, I mean ranking in terms of AAV now with this contract. Right. I, I wrote it, Jeff. I said the Hunter Renfro deal is the only way to get him signed uh, as a, in some sort of extension, I think. And that's essentially what he got. He got a few more bucks per year than the Renfro deal. Yep. Yeah, Renfro is 2-32. and 32. Uh, and you know, Renfro is a fifth rounder too. And, uh, the thing is they're just adding Adams and they have Adams and Waller. So it's, it's getting a little crowded with the Raiders too. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like the comp. You did get a little bit more in Renfro. Renfro goes later in draft. So, uh, I think that the comp there is actually, you know, they're, they're in the same range in my rankings. They're about 10 picks from each other. Jeff Erickson with us. All right, Jeff, big picture fantasy question for you. Um, last year I won the loser's bracket of my league. So once the playoffs started and everybody was eliminated, I won the loser's bracket, which gives me the right to choose where I want to on Ah. a snake draft. And DVOR says that you're still supposed to go with the number one pick. So I did one, four or five was the suggestion. Um, How do you feel about that? First of all, and uh, do you have a clear cut number one player atop your draft board right now? I agree with that, and I do. It's Jonathan Taylor at 1.1, and I agree it's not two or three after that. I prefer four and five because I don't have a clear number two. In fact, I don't want to take one of the running backs after Taylor at number two. I'd rather go with one of the top, the big three wide receivers. So um, I, I tend to agree with that assessment. So you know, go ahead, give me, give me Jonathan Taylor one. Uh, it's a deep wide receiver board after that. I might go three receivers after that, depending on what's available to me. Okay, I'll take it to the next question then, because Taylor, unfortunately, is somebody's keeper. Now, I found that okay. out after I already said I'd go number one. So what, what would I do then? What should I do then? Okay, well, let, let's. so I don't suggest another player that's been kept. Tell me the top three guys that you're contemplating here. Uh, Devontae Adams would be one. Uh, Dalvin Cook would be one. Uh, those are the two that I was thinking of the most. I have Jamar Chase already as a wide receiver, though, so I have to keep that in mind. Um, and then beyond that, I, I don't know. It's, I, I'm a big fan. I of assume Henry. Jefferson and Cup are gone, correct? Uh, Cup is somebody's keeper. No, you know what? Because we don't allow the top three. Cup is Cup is out there, so I could take Cup. Oh, Cup and Chase as a start. Yeah, I'm salivating over that, Tim. I'm not going to lie. And then just get the next running back on the way back. It's the two teammates, Cook versus Jefferson for me. I actually have Jefferson ranked higher. Okay. All right. I know that you already have Chase, and maybe you're afraid of the – there is a running back shelf. But, uh, yeah, uh, I I think I'd still go – I think, for me, I I love the the, the elite wideouts. You start Jefferson Chase, I think you're, you're locked in with two elite players. And you can find a running back in the second or third on the comeback there. That's the way I would take that. What's your next batch of running backs there? Is Chubb in there somewhere? Yeah, uh, if you get Chubb in the in the comeback, I think you're doing quite well. I think he'll be he might be gone. Javante Williams is another target. I don't know where Kamara goes in your league. I mean, the news on him is that there is no news. Um, that the, the next the next uh, hearing will be on September 29th after the season starts, but. Um, you know, wheels of justice move slowly. He might be able to make it through the season without a suspension. Um, in which case you're getting a steal there. Um, I'd even look at old friend, James Connor. Uh, I don't know if that's heresy in your circles, but, uh, I'll tell you what, he, he gets he's touchdowns. clear cut. He gets touchdowns. He's a clear cut guy. They run a system. I think that 
befits his talents better. Um, and keep in mind, no Hopkins the first six weeks of the season means more volume for him, too. Well, the one thing about Connor is it's good that he had somebody else to take a lot of the carries last year because we all know with him, increased volume is directly lined up with increased injury risk. Well, sure. Of course. So, um, you know, like, because my point being is it's a nice little fit from a fantasy point of view to have Connor where they did because they like to use him in the red zone so you got the touchdown points. And even though you weren't getting a ton of points between the 20s per se, that's that's fine because you were still getting the touchdowns because he was still active on game days. So, you know, right. like, that, that's been my experience of having James Connor in a fantasy league and just just watching him here in Pittsburgh. Sure. And now that Chase Edmonds is making his uh, uh, earning his paycheck in Miami, uh, Connor's backup is Darrell Williams. So that's that's definitely a qualitative difference. Um, And then, you know, Benjamin Keontae Ingram's the rookie there. So he doesn't have an obvious backup. But sometimes that doesn't mean he doesn't. You know, that's not the case that he doesn't have a backup. They might find that the Ingram rookie is wowing them. You know, it might be a case where they got Darrell Williams directly to be able to kind of split some time there and you're in there. So, you know, sometimes even though it's not an obvious backup, an obvious timeshare situation doesn't mean that it's going to play out that way. I, I've seen that happen plenty of times. So it's interesting to me, Jeff, then how far did you say, what, what's your, what's your top five rankings for running back and where does running back two jump in after, um, Jonathan Taylor? So I, you know, I go, my, my I go, uh, running back two for me is Eckler, uh, Eckler, Cook, uh, McCaffrey, Harris, Mixon, Jones. I got Derrick Henry lower than most. Just keep in mind. A lot of people are going to put Derrick Henry up there. I'm just kind of nervous because of the way the way the foot looked in the playoff game against the Bengals. He doesn't look like he to me like he was the same player. But that's also that was in January, so we'll see uh, how much time heals. But I think it's there. I think there's so much risk of re-injuring the foot, so I'm a little a little wary of him. But you know, to answer your question, where they go, like Eckler goes fourth overall, Cook sixth, McCaffrey, Harris eight and nine. So there's a bunch of receiver uh, running backs, I should say, at the end of the first round for me. But I have the top three receivers at in Jefferson, Chase, and Cup at two, three, five respectively, and Diggs at seven. Then I have a bunch of uh, running backs after that. Where do you have Adams? Thirteen. He's in the next tier wide receivers. He leads that next tier off. Uh, Adams, Lamb, uh, Debo are in the next grouping of wide receivers for me. All right, so my thanks to Jeff. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, let's go over some of the numbers with him since Jeff talked about him quite a bit. Plus 400 to lead the NFL in rushing again. Personally, I like Dalvin Cook at plus 1,000, but I certainly get the narrow line for Taylor. He's also plus 800 to win Offensive Player of the Year. I like Devontae Adams at plus 1,000. Taylor is plus 5,000 for MVP. I know he's a running back. I know that is largely a quarterback award. But if the Colts are a playoff team by winning the division or maybe even a wild card and he leads the NFL in rushing, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow at plus 1,300. I think that's a good bet. Matt Stafford with his elbow at plus 1,600, uh, he's not. And I love Taylor at plus 500 to lead the NFL in touchdowns on the ground. I think that's a very wise bet there. We'll have more props and individual player plays to make throughout this summer as we get closer to the NFL start. Uh, It's all about to get set to get underway again. 
with the preseason's first weekend. We had Jacksonville and the Raiders. I left that game alone, and I kind of wish I didn't now. I mean, I so rarely play the preseason because it is so, I think, tough to bet on. Uh, other people love it. Other people think there's honeypots to be had there. I tend to leave it alone. Um, if I had given it more thought and I had been around and watching the game, I would have gone with the Raiders last night. I just think Jacksonville is it, it's, it's so bad, and if they're not going to play ETN and Lawrence, and even if they're going to play them only a few series, then what are you doing betting on them, right? Uh, and there's some depth there to the Raiders, as we saw last night. So that's a bet I slept on and should have played. Hopefully you did. Uh, we'll have more preseason talk coming up next week as the Steelers get ready for their first game against the Seahawks. I believe they're three-and-a-half-point favorites, and my inclination, like I said yesterday, is to look at their quarterback position and say, how can you bet on the Steelers? But then I look at what's going on with the Seahawks because I'm going to say, how can you bet on their quarterback position? But, uh, you know, at least Geno Smith kind of knows what he's doing in their offense. But maybe Mason Rudolph does just as much. So it's sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't on that one. And that's why I don't bet on the preseason. But who am I to say that on a gambling podcast? You can, you should, you should do it at Bet Rivers, And you can go to the Rivers Casino where Mark Madden, our colleague on Madden Monday, will be doing his show each and every Friday. And we will have Mark for you here on the Madden Monday podcast. It comes your way courtesy of Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go online to betrivers.com. Mark up on Monday and we'll recap the weekend that was in baseball too with the Orioles and Pirates. Talk to you on Monday, everybody. Have a good weekend.